Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Through good times and bad, Trupanion is here for you. The Trupanion policy helps cover the cost of unexpected accidents and illness for your pets. The Trupanion team is still available, even in lockdown, 24-7, to help your pet. They also have a program dedicated to breeders, so you can send your litters home protected. Their breeder support program provides special offers that waive the waiting periods for your buyers. It's absolutely free for you to get started. Just sign up on the link at the website, puredogtalk.com. Don't forget, mention Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am very happy to be joined again by my friend Dale Martinson from Touche Japanese Chin. And Dale, I was just telling him, Dale started this conversation on his personal social media, and I thought, Dale, this is too good to just hang out with your couple thousand friends. This needs to reach out to a bigger audience. So Dale is joining me and we're going to talk about some of our favorite hacks, some of our favorite products, some of our favorite things as dog breeders that don't necessarily make it into the textbook. Right, Dale? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things we can do as breeders where we can turn situations around before it becomes a one-way street. Yes. And there's that window of opportunity that sometimes our vets who we love and adore, they maybe haven't had a lot of experience breeding puppies. Right. And those are things that maybe we can address before it becomes a critical issue. And I think that the accumulated breeder wisdom is so valuable. And I am grateful that Pure Dog Talk is able to offer some of this because People have helped me. Other breeders have helped me. We were talking about a situation earlier. Some of the stuff that you've been talking about that we're going to talk about today, I'm like, that is absolute genius. So I want to start with the gloves as a nursing. That's just genius. (laughs) Well, you know, in all of our reproductive type of situations, Litters of puppies are oftentimes, if we were going to put it in the hands of Mother Nature, it would be more like sea turtles. Yeah. A certain percentage of them were meant to make it to the water and a certain percentage are not. That's right. And we as breeders, we want to tip the scales. Yes. And so if we can go ahead and add some supportive care just to give those little turtles a boost to the water to make it to a healthy adulthood, that's something we can do. And supplemental feeding on your litter is so important. You know, I mean, of course, we'll get into mom later, but those babies, they really do need to eat as much. It's almost impossible to totally bottle raise puppies. I mean, it's really about an every 90-minute process. I've done it. (laughs) Uh, We've all got the wrinkles and bags under our eyes from having done it. It's something we want to try to avoid. Yes. But the thing with feeding your litter, people tend to head to the smallest puppies. And in fact, you really should hit the biggest ones first. Because if you can tank up that big fat boy puppy, 
maybe your little girl puppy will have a crack at getting to the nipple and not get shoved aside. Right. Because she really needs what mom's got to offer more than her brother. Right. And so that's right off the top. Identify which ones you're going to nurse. And if you can, try to keep a running scale of weights on your puppies to see who's gaining and who's not gaining. Absolutely required. Yes. You're going to have that first momentary drop the day after, but then they should steadily gain. And because if you are seeing that you are not getting gains, why? Right. And what can we do to turn that around? Right. And a lot of times as breeders, we want to just pick up and go ahead and do the feeding tube, which is really for us with our breeds being brachycephalic, mm-hmm. that's really difficult to do without aspirating them. Yes. And then it's even more difficult to do it at 3 a.m. after you've been up at 1 a.m. Yes. You know, so I mean, I think you also miss out on building their sucking reflexes. Well, and you know, I just think there's so much that goes with that. The actual nursing process, to me, they think more about I need to live, right? Like we're encouraging their will to live by having them nurse, even if it's on a bottle or your handy dandy life hack that you suggested, which I love. Well, exactly. Because if you'll watch the moms, the way they roll them around and they stimulate them, all of that goes into their digestive process and them developing as babies. But so our biggest problem has always been with our bottles is Number one, bottles are gross. They're just so hard to get clean. Mm -hmm. After you run them through the sterilizer three, four times, the nipples are just dehydrated leather. And then, of course, how big a hole do you want to put in the nipple? And each puppy is different Mm -hmm. as to what it can take. Because you want it to get a good fit in its mouth where it's not sucking in a lot of air and then blowing it back out its nose. Right. So by taking that latex glove, every puppy's will be a perfect fit. I mean, it's a perfect fit. There is no air coming in along with that. So describe that. You showed a picture of it, and we'll try and post a picture of it too, but describe it for the listeners. So you've basically got your PPE, your personal protective equipment. You've got your latex glove that you would have like a medical glove. Exactly. That's exactly it. And then so you're going to go ahead and mix up your formula. And whatever formula you like that works good for your breed or what you happen to think works well, heat up your formula, then pour about about half to a cup, depending as to how many babies you're going to feed, mm-hmm. into the glove. And then go ahead and inflate the glove. Go ahead and fill it up where it's about the size of an orange. And then tie off you know, the wrist mm-hmm. of the glove. Now you've got a milk balloon. And I am certain that there have been times that Jane has wanted to throw that at me, but yet she has managed to not do that. At two o'clock in the morning, that would be tempting, right? <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, exactly. Then the size of the puppies you're going to do, like we take a hypodermic needle and it's a 22-gauge syringe and just poke the fingers. For my puppies, you can feed. I've seen Jane feed multiple puppies on it. I'm not very dexterous with that. So on the idea of not dropping anybody, I probably do one at a time. But, you know, if you're good at it and you can line them up in the box, you can plug a puppy in the way you would plug them onto your bitch. Mm-hmm. And then just by keeping a gentle pressure on the inflated glove, there's going to be a steady. So it's really individual to each puppy. I mean, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect amount of pressure. 
and you can watch them fill and it's so easy. And after you've got them nursed off of that, you can go ahead and just put the whole glove into the refrigerator. Right. Now I have found personal experience here, folks. I have reheated the glove with success in the microwave one time. <laughs> Beyond doing the one time, you're just rolling your dice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is I mean, it going to explode or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for the pennies that they cost, you can just cut a finger and drain the milk back into the coffee cup and reheat it and then do a fresh glove. Right. It'll take you like right. no time at all, but you can reuse that glove quite a few times. Okay. And get a pretty good number of feedings on it. As the puppies get older, you'll need to put more pokes into the fingers. Mm -hmm. And you do need to be mindful of once they start to get little toenails that you cut, you know, if you're feeding them beyond the first bit, because they can pop them. Don't drown your puppy <laughs> with your milk glove. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it really is an easy thing. So now I'm seeing this work, you know, we have had pug litters and I've been around toy litters. Have you used this or have you seen it used with larger breed dogs? Absolutely. And I even saw a video, which I don't remember where, somewhere in the depths of the internet where somebody was hanging them off the side of the cage. <laughs> and they looked like they were nursing lambs. And I was like, wow. Fascinating. They can work on anything like that. Very, very cool. And yeah. if you take your time, you can really do multiple. And, you know, those gloves come in various sizes, too. Right, right. Valid. But, I mean, just the not having to wash bottles. Yeah. That is an excitement that I can't even contemplate. I really wished I had seen that before this litter of 13 instead of after they were already on solid food. <laughs> Absolutely, because you can go ahead and you can make up a couple, two, three of them, and you can get all hands on deck. I mean, it just goes so much faster, but just that little supportive bump mm -hmm. can go a long ways on building your litter strength. Right. Getting them to the water. Well, and we just had a conversation with Dr. Marty Greer talking about her four H's and hydration is a big one of them. And keeping our puppies hydrated when they're neonates means they need to nurse. And if they are too small, too weak, too fragile, mom is not helping, you know, whatever it is, they need to get food in them. And this is a way you've got a litter and it's the middle of the night. You don't have a bottle, right? This is something you might have on. Right. You can have this on hand and you can throw that in there and it can be anytime, any place type of thing. It's pretty darn effective. The other thing that we have found that is kind of handy is you have to really Know your breed and then know what you need to do for your whelping box. Mm. Because the magic of the whelping box, and it's going to vary breed to breed. And it's even going to vary different times of year on temperatures. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, like we went ahead and had custom boxes made for our Cavaliers. They would be too big for the chin. Oh, sure. You know, the chin we would go with uh, sweater boxes. But when we do all of our heat for our puppies, we put heat under half of the box mm -hmm. because we find that if it's too hot, especially the chin, they're like going pass. Right. We're not going to dry some. Right. So the puppies can be under half the box with the heat and the mom will sit on the other half. Right. And it's kind of amazing watching them, you know, they'll come on over to her and then like they'll go lay on the warm spot. But heat from underneath yes. is so much better for puppies' digestion 
and growth. I mean, back in the day, remember the heat lamps? Oh, heat lamps. Yeah. Yep, the heat lamps. How many fires got started in the kennel with the right. heat lamp? Well, and you still have to be aware of your heating pad or what have you. I just use a regulation heating pad, but there's the whelping nests and there's all kinds of various ways that you can do that. And I agree with you. It's the dehydration that you get from the heat lamps, never mind the fire danger and all the rest of it, the dehydration because they overheat the air and it sucks the moisture out of the air and the puppies need that. Right. And I find for ours, they prefer to have it be a little darker Mm -hmm. and they feel a little bit more nesty with them rather than to have them in a bright light illuminated situation. And so we'll start our heating pad out the first day, usually on high, but within 48 hours, we'll back it down to medium. And then like within a couple of days, we'll get it onto low, Mm -hmm. just kind of watching it. But our heating pads always are under the box. Yes, absolutely. Always under, under the whole box. And the best thing we found for our boxes is carpet. Oh, for flooring. Mm-hmm. Well, we use welcome mats and we cut them up. Welcome, you're born. Yeah, right. Yeah, they can't roll them up. Right. Because getting the mother's hormones right after she's whelped, you don't want to come back in there and have that beautiful little bed that you've made, have them rolled up like burritos. Yeah. But if you can get a carpet square, that's a good fit for there and you can leave them a pretty long time. I haven't used carpet specifically. I use various like rubber backed fleecy things that are specifically for it. Are you able to wash them or do you just switch them out or how do you use that part? Well, I mean, if you were thrifty, depending on how thrifty you are, you could take them out and you could power wash them and clean them out real good if you wanted to. I'm living the life of the rich and famous. I'm throwing them away. You know, I mean, <laughs> Just just one of the little things in life. I was right. like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, you could wash them. Right. You could wash them. Right. But really, truly, it's like three, four bucks. You know, I mean, yeah, your litter of puppy that's worth, you know, 10 grand. Right. Get a new yeah, one. Go ahead. Get, get another $4. <laughs> Welcome. You get a new one. Splurge. But you could cut them to fit the box where you're not going right. to get underneath your bedding. And the mothers will settle down. Right. You don't want puppies under... You don't want puppies wrapped up in. I'm really careful. I will use towels and some of that kind of stuff for the puppies to kind of mom to have something to mess around with. But I'm really super careful about strings. I hate, you know how towels will get those strings on the side? Oh, yeah. Like it's been washed a lot of times. Well, as soon as that happens, I guarantee you or any other kind of hole, and I've seen it, you'll get a puppy with his head stuck in there or his legs stuck in there. And then you've got a really serious problem. So I am manic, you do. manic about the binding on anything that goes in the whelping box with puppies. We don't usually do any kind of pads down for 10 to 12 days. Mm-hmm. At 10 to 12 days, then they can navigate it. And the moms have gotten past that manic digging part where they want to just like nest everything up. Right. When they're looking at you, then put a pad down. Right. Then they've got something to snuggle on. Right. And they're also going to start putting out enough elimination that she's not getting it all. Right. Exactly. We got to keep it, you know, I mean, it's clean to a point. Yeah. And that's, see. Mother Nature's version of clean. Right. When you have 13 of them, trust me, that happens before they're 10 days old. (laughs) 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because a lot of our stuff it involves toy dogs. You've got two chins. They're not going to make much of a mess. 13 wire hair pointers, trust me, they're making a mess. <laughs> well, and you've also got the issue with your mother's dietary needs and how her food consumption, because she can go off. Oh, yeah. But she's cleaning up after 13 babies. Wow. Yep. She could go toxic real easy. Yeah. She can't miss the meal. Right, exactly. And you guys with the hypoglycemia in those toy breeds is such an issue. I mean, it's less an issue in the larger breeds, but it's still there. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. Conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Talk to me about, you had a product recommendation that I really liked, and I'm going to have to find this. Powdered pumpkin, is that what it was? It's called Firma. Okay. Firma, because, so we're going to move all the way ahead. We're sending those 13 puppies on out to their new homes. So that's really a lot of stress on those puppies. I mean, it just is a lot of stress Mm -hmm. because they have been tended and cared for like a classroom and now they're going to be going in an individual situation. And for some reason, I don't know, it's probably another podcast, another place, why people love to change their food. They just do. They love to change their food. That's another topic for another conversation. For another day. They're going to mess with either their schedule or their food. And so... Everything kind of comes on the complete housebreaking acclimation into, especially pet puppies. Mm-hmm. They have very little criteria, but pooping outside is a big. It's pretty high on the list, yeah. It's way up there. You know, I mean, you can overcome a lot if you poop outside. <laughs> we dog people, we just get so excited when we see good poop. It's our own personal, like, oh my gosh, that's a that's good looking turd. Only dog people can sit at dinner and discuss the consistency of their dog's toilet habits. I mean, <laughs> I'll share a picture of a good poop on Facebook and I'll get 500 likes within an hour. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, what are you feeding? You know, <laughs> but that firm up is a really wonderful option because for a long time, we've been trying to do canned pumpkin and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a whole nother thing, getting the raw pumpkin and blah, blah, blah. 
Well, that powdered pumpkin is so easy, and we can send it with the puppies legally, safely. There's no drug component to it, so you're not prescribing medication. It's just a dietary supplement, and all it's going to do is add fiber and make it you know, more consistent, be less likely to have a hypoglycemia, or even go stressed on the point where they're going to break with coccidiosis. Right. So... I mean, we love that stuff. It's it's called Firm Up. All right. You're going to help me and we're going to put a link in here because I think this company, you should probably buy stock in it today because tomorrow. (laughs) Exactly. We go ahead. We get the big bag. We break it down into smaller bags and just write instructions on it and put it in with their food. And that really has, I mean, I can't tell you, we get so many people say, oh, our dogs never had an accident, never this, never that. And when we do the supportive dietary stuff, those instances of hypoglycemia and accidents in the house drop so dramatically. Awesome. Very, very cool. Great stuff. It is really great stuff and easy to get. And I think if you were shipping your puppy, that's a non-issue to put that in with the food on top of the crate. Yeah. You can just tape all that stuff that you ship the puppy with. Okay. So in your list of life hacks, what's your next favorite one? Well, I've got a new product that I think that is fantastic that everybody that travels with their dogs or is planning on breeding should probably consider getting. You have to buy it from the vet or get a script, Mm -hmm. but it's called Entice, E-N-T-Y-C-E. And that is a fantastic appetite builder. So say your female isn't wanting to eat and she's 50 days bred Mm -hmm. because she's trying to have pregnancy toxemia on you. And you're looking at hand feeding, syringe feeding, yes. whatever kind of feeding we can do to make this happen. Live through it. Start her on that entice. We have had fantastic results with that. Or traveling to the dog show and they're not wanting to eat on the road. Right. You know, I mean, stuffing, we used to stuff all the time. Right. But on toy brick dogs or brachycephalics, that's kind of dangerous. It's, well, breeds that bloat, that's super dangerous. I mean. Super dangerous. So is this a powder? Is this a paste? It's a liquid. Okay. I've used Fortiflora and would be interested in a comparison. This is like, all right, shooting somebody with a rubber band would be Fortiflora. Shooting somebody with a 45 would be in tight. <gasps> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They are going to eat. <laughs> if they don't eat after you've given them that, you may need a new dog after this weekend. Oh my you know what I mean? Because right. it's good stuff. I don't know as far as reading the box that you need to keep them on for a certain length of time. But I think the thing is, if once they get hungry and start eating, Mm -hmm. then they're going to be hungry. Right. Which is going to keep everything going. So, I mean, whether you're handling and traveling and taking it with you, Mm -hmm. or sometimes when you have a weaning puppy, we have a chin, we get a range of sizes. And sometimes the little birds that you're hand raising in your basket, you just want to give them a little like, Please eat. Please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. you know, help me help you. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that we really do like. It's not inexpensive, but then again, when you think of the value and the price of the dogs that we're doing, mm-hmm. definitely a worthwhile thing. One of the other things that we really have kind of stumbled on to, one of our friends referred it, was Stewart's Natural Dehydrated Chicken. Oh, wow. Okay. Very nice to take with you and travel with. And you just can crumble it up on the food. Almost as much as I enjoy washing bottles is washing bowls. <laughs> At least you can actually wash the bowl. You can get your hand in the bowl. Uh, yeah. 
So if you can go ahead and do something like that and not involve canned food and making that mix that I'm sure that if we had bricks, we could make a stucco house yeah. with the stewards just crumble it up on their food. And boy, that's nice to travel with. And we've been sending it with new babies. I like that a lot. The only thing I've ever found that was like drop dead, every dog in the world would eat it, even the picky Spinoni, is that Evinger's canned chicken drummies, you know, like it's pressure cooked chicken. Yeah. They will eat that. I am telling you that is the one and only thing that every single dog ever known to man would eat. But it is not pretty. Well, now can you order that on Chewy's? Avengers, I'm not entirely sure. The other thing that Avengers has, and I used this a lot, this particular brand of dog food has a series of tiny cans, like chin-sized cans of food, but in all kinds of flavors. So when you've got that picky dog, it's incredible, like pheasant and duck and kangaroo, and I don't even know. <laughs> and the drumettes were the best. But having these tiny little, like for my dog, single serving cans, that was super handy when I was traveling and I had a challenging dog that didn't want to eat and I couldn't risk the weight drop of saying, okay, you're just going to have to learn to eat. When you're a handler and you're in that position, you can't take the chance of of teaching them how to eat. They know their position. Yeah. They know I'm pregnant. Exactly. You're not going to do tough love with me. Yeah, you know, I'm a baby and I could go hypoglycemic. Right. They're just not going to be done. They'll eat because the other side of that is they might not, you know. I don't know. I just had this conversation with some, maybe it's toy breeds is different. And I know it is because I've had pugs that went hypoglycemic. But in the larger breeds, I have told people there's never been a dog in the history of dogdom that starved itself to death <laughs> in the tough love category. But toy breeds, I think that probably that isn't the case. No, they will. The toy breed comes complete with its own personal fainting couch. Yes. And so when they go ahead and decide that you have done something to upset them, whatever that might be, or that they're just not feeling it, Mm -hmm. then they can go ahead and not eat Mm -hmm. and they can go into hypoglycemia fairly quickly. Usually with hypoglycemia, and I'm not a vet, I only play one on TV, but oftentimes like an Arbreeze will deal with the degree of liver shunt that they will often outgrow. and those are the ones that a little supportive care through the weaning process where you're getting blood sugar calories from carbs. Mm-hmm. Carbohydrates are really, because as dog people, we just think, oh, we'll open up the can. We're going to throw a whole bunch of protein at them. Little dogs, that's not always doing them a big favor, or they want to break out that magic tube of NutriCal, which is kind of like, yes, it's better than going into a diabetic coma, but it is going to cause quite a spike. Mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, you're going to have some raging coccidia to follow this up with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the puppies, we've always said you get one really good round of a hypoglycemia without any ill effects. Mm-hmm. And every time they go hypoglycemic after that, your chances of losing them doubles. Wow. So you really have to kind of keep that in mind when you're keeping track of their eating, keeping track of how they hold up. Because toy dogs, they would want us to kind of wait on them hand and foot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Don't change it up. Don't mess it up. Don't get it wrong. Yeah. Okay. So I am very excited. This is a great addition to our series. And I think there's going to be more in the series. So listeners, watch this space. 
Dale, thank you for your time. As always, you make me stop and think. You bring me new information, and I love you for it, man. It's so much fun. You take care. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Dale. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.